turns out it's a while before anything happens with the woman inside the building. So while Sentinel takes up a position across the street to look out a window, he gets a chance to both sort of test the effects of his suit on people and to examine it. He finds a window at the end of a hallway. This is one of the halls where there's only one apartment on either side. He's in an apartment building. Uh, And the people who live there are pretty clearly gone. There's no sound from either apartment. He listens briefly at each door and doesn't hear anything. So he can just stand by the window. At one point, a couple hours into this, someone walks by, they stop when they see him, and Morgan turns around and sees a sort of curious look pass over their face. Uh, The person who's looking at him is a middle-aged lady. Um, She's got dark skin and hair. He's not really able to tell at a glance. Um much about her looks middle class she's uh, looking at him with her head cocked to the side a little bit like she's trying to figure something out she's like are you um, are you here to fix the is there an electrical Morgan's able to quickly sort of smooth things over he just nods He can say just about anything, and this woman goes about her business reassured. Something like this happens again a few hours later, and what he's starting to piece together is that as long as he is able to make a show of fulfilling somebody's expectations, they do the rest in their own heads. When they see him, they don't necessarily see a man in blue armor. They see a guy in a blue suit or uniform. So they just start filling in the details with whatever seems the most plausible to them. He can make himself known to people. He knows that. Or maybe it's just that certain people aren't affected. It could be to do with people who knew him before he found the suit or didn't. Bianca knows him. But then again, Roland recognizes him as well. So he's still unsure of what the parameters of all of this are. When he gets some time to himself, which is uh, in, in abundant supply, he's figured out Well, he's assumed slash figured out that the woman he's been tailing uh, was on lunch break and has returned to work in her TPP office. It's about 3.30 or 4 when he starts to examine the suit more closely. When he undoes some of the wrapping around the scarf, um, like pulls it 
up where it links into the suit, where it goes around the plates and uh, whatever, the mesh that make up the actual armor part of it. He can sort of pull the scarf and the, and the, the cloth exterior up and see writing underneath it, little letters or shapes or drawings. And he doesn't recognize these symbols. He doesn't really think it's any alphabet he's familiar with. And Morgan's not the most educated guy, but he's been to different parts of Stringersburg and seen some of the immigrant neighborhoods where, for instance, in one place, there's the Cyrillic, the Russian alphabet. He's seen a Korean grocery store with the Korean writing system. So what he's looking at doesn't remind him much of any of those. If anything, it seems to incorporate elements of every alphabetical system that he's seen. He's seen some Hebrew letters before at a synagogue or whatever. So he's seeing a strange, unfamiliar, and somehow mysterious or maybe even otherworldly system of writing and the symbols, the more he looks for them, the more he finds them all over the armor. And the longer he looks, the more they occasionally start to make sense. It's not until he removes the helmet, though, that he sees one that he thinks he understands. He's taking it off, looking straight ahead, and he sees a symbol larger than the others on the inside of the helmet, right over the, the crown of his head, where the crown of his head goes inside the helmet. And he looks at the symbol, and he understands that it's a message, or that it signifies the beginning of a message and that it's important that he reads it. So, I'm assuming he would do so. The closer he looks at it, the more he can see other symbols around it, sort of spiraling out from it, and he follows them, and his vision starts to blur a little, and he passes out or maybe enters another state of consciousness. When he's aware again, he doesn't really see or feel or even smell, but he can hear extremely clearly. And there's a woman's voice speaking to him in a language he shouldn't understand, but something else is also sort of translating for him. In his own voice, he can hear the explanation or the translation of what she's saying. And the message is that the suit, the armor, has to do with destiny, but that there is a great argument over how destiny should unfold. She says that the armor protects him from the normal workings of destiny because he embodies the argument for contingency, which is, as she puts it, or as he 
translates for himself as his the, the translation voice that sounds like him says says it's destiny's backup plan there is a, an orderly progression to the fate of humankind in the world but that that order was established a long time ago and it's dominated by the opposing force continuity continuity values stability and strength but contingency is an attempt to incorporate randomness and fluidity and adaptability into the scheme of destiny so whether he likes it or not now that he's bonded with the armor he is an agent of contingency and from time to time agents of continuity will oppose him and he'll have to oppose them it's apparently his responsibility to make judgments about people or places or events that need to be protected from continuity because continuity wants to smooth everything out make it neat and tidy and follow a sort of linear progression but he's supposed to use the armor to protect things that might be important later and the voice says that it knows it will feel overwhelming to him to have to speculate about what those things are but that the more he consults the armor itself the more he reads it its patterns the more he'll get a sense of that and he blinks a few times and he's looking out the window of the apartment building again so by about 6:30 he sees his target leave the building he's able to shadow her without any trouble she hops in a ride share and heads north Uh, traffic in the city is bad. He learns by tumming, tuning into uh, WSBG that there's a transit workers' strike driven by strongman-affiliated union leaders and that a lot of road maintenance has either been going undone or has been actively halted or even sabotaged as part of this strike. So he's able to keep pace with the car as it has to get through the traffic. He goes over the rooftops and eventually by about eight, him, he and his frustrated target are at a, a diner on the north side of the city. He sees her go into the building and through a window, through a ground level window, he watches her take a seat and order a meal and all of that. At some point though, he notices her getting up and walking into the kitchen. Um, she's there for a very short amount of time and then he observes her leaving out the back entrance. Somebody bearing her her meal goes back to her table looks around in confusion and walks out when morgan sees 
this woman uh, coming out, he before he follows her, he before and before he puts the helmet back on, he just balls up his fists and hits himself in the face uh, to kind of snap himself out of it because as crazy and as fascinating and everything that this is he can't terribly focus on it right now although it's just gonna be brewing in his mind he's he's gonna stay as focused as he possibly can so yeah he's going to to follow her along and when he sees her leaving the diner of course he's going to to follow after but he's also going to stick his head in the in the back door real quick and and see if he sees or notices anything uh, before he continues to follow her he's He's going to mostly worry about staying out of the eyesight of drones since they seem to have some type of, of pattern or something that they can pick him up on now. And he's going to continue to um, test the uh, innocuous, the, the innocuous tendencies that the, the suit kind of gives him. by, you know, like I said, he's going to shadow her, but it maybe stay on, on street level. Um, also where he's got that, that Fado vision kind of deal. Uh, did, does she glow at any level or, uh, you know, maybe, maybe he'll start pondering on, on that if that has anything, because he, he doesn't, know what what that had done previously so maybe that he, he's gonna think that maybe this vision with these people you know with this weird aura that he picks up on every now and then when he's wearing the suit that uh bianca has and i can't remember if roland had it or not you'll have to remind me as to as to who did uh if they are important to either him as contingency or to continuity. So his, you know, as, as he's going through all this stuff, his mind's just racing about possibilities as, as much as he's just trying to uh, focus on the task at hand. I may end up suggesting a couple of little retcons here because I haven't been thinking about... Morgan's fate vision. Um, I think we can agree that now that he is delving into the suit more, that it might change a little bit. It might be he may have, by sort of researching the suit, he may have unlocked a couple of the more subtle features of it. Um, I'm going to suggest that uh, contingency and continuity each have a color or some other sort of visual quality or or both that will uh, he'll start to learn now that he knows that those are forces that are relevant to the suit and its creator so um all right 
watching the woman leave after he's put the helmet back on, he sees her trailing these uh, sort of after images. Like, a, first of all, this is a very faint impression, but wherever she walks, his visual impression of her seems to sort of slide or shift backwards as if she's dragging something behind her. And there is a reddish tinge to her outline. There's a sort of crimson red outline around her. Um, and it sort of draws backward with this sort of distortion that goes with her. Um, when he sees this in the future, this may or may not happen, but in this case, he can follow that sort of drag from her back into the restaurant. He watches it get sort of longer and thinner as she walks away, and eventually it detaches and separates. But um, I'm going to say that what he sees in the restaurant distracts him from following her because the aura thing that slides back from her is connected very firmly to a crimson blaze, a total bonfire inside the kitchen of the restaurant. Uh, when he pokes his head in there, or rather when he goes to poke his head into the restaurant, he finds that he has actually dropped to his feet, opened the door, and walked in in a sort of daze because the whole wind, like the windows of the kitchen are throwing out this red light. When he looks in there, the whole place is just like, it's like someone spray painted the whole room, whole room red for him. And it's all emanating from a guy standing at the sink washing dishes. He is a powerful force of continuity or continuity has surrounded him in a powerful way. And the guy is washing dishes at the time, but he slowly turns the sink off and looks over his right shoulder at Morgan. And despite the red glow, he's recognizable as the nihilist. He looks a little worse for wear. He's a bit uh, thin. He's got some fading bruises and like a cut on his cheek. He turns around to face Morgan, and he's staring as well. He's seeing Morgan in some strange way, perhaps, the way Morgan's seeing him. And he just says, what are you supposed to be? 